Hello, I'm Karina Givargas of the founder of Mission Magazine, the first fashion philanthropic media brand. Welcome to our podcast called My Mission Is. For our next guest, you're actually getting a sneak peek into the issue we're about to launch, Human Issue. We speak to a really inspiring, brave young Welsh person called Coco. Coco has used things that have challenged her her whole life and turned them into something very powerful and share her life lessons such as dealing with depression and suicide. She does this through her platform called Talk to Coco. In this episode, we learn how she chooses to come out on Instagram. She tells me how the response to that was not what she had anticipated at all. She is so raw and so real. And although she's a strong supporter of the LGBT community and supports awareness around mental health issues being more openly discussed, one thing that was so clear to me from this podcast was how much she cares about people overall. I really hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. It was really inspiring for me to have to have done this with Coco. Thank you for listening, everybody. Take care. Bye. So, Coco, um, it's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant to connect with you. And um, I think people are getting a bit of a sneak peek into who you are before we've even come out with the next issue, the human issue. But I think um, we were just having an a, a intro just now saying that um, mental health is something that has really come to my forefront since we've all been in lockdown. And um, I started Mission seven years ago as a catalyst to a friend of mine um, getting breast cancer. And I just thought, I'm in the fashion industry, it's so vacuous generally. And what can I do that's a bit of a give back, you know, to really support people that don't have a platform? Definitely. And it's been a long, long, hard road. And it's I've had many challenges um, that are kind of with the mental health and, and keeping sane and keep going. And Definitely. What, I just, I'm curious, what drew you to speaking out publicly about mental health and LGBT matters? So I guess for myself, um, growing up here in Wales, in the UK, um, I guess being predominantly white around here, and I guess with myself being a mixed race, queer child as such, going through so many things mentally too, and not having somebody, I guess, that understood me or anybody I could see in the public eye to look up to, to be like, they're like me, or it's okay to be like this because they're like that. It was totally, I guess, I was in a world that I didn't really understand. And I guess the people around me didn't understand my will too. So I guess growing up and being older, that kind of thing, it was never a thing that I was comfortable on speaking publicly, speaking out loud. It was like a really scary, daunting thing for me. And it was one time for myself, um, I was going through a bit of a bad place in like my own personal life and stuff mentally, really challenging, um, feeling really suicidal, really like not knowing where to go. My emotions were all over the shop. My life wasn't where I guess it was going where I wanted it to go. And I was having all these physical things happen to me as well. So it was like, oh my God, what is happening? And one day I literally picked up my Instagram, which was just my normal personal Instagram and was like, right, I feel like I need to just say something. I need to just like say, this is actually who I am. I'm not who I've portray myself to be all these years this smiley all the time person like and the everything's okay kind of thing 
And um, I went to my Instagram one day and I did a video on just on my story, just saying like that I was going through things and I've been seeing a psychiatrist and that I tried to take my life and that kind of stuff, really. And I, the response I had was the total opposite that I ever thought I would get. People were just so nice and pleasant and that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, OK, so I'm not what the media or what society portrays me to be, I guess, this crazy person that people wouldn't want to approach or want to talk to. So that was really rewarding. Where do you think that came from, that you thought that that was this crazy person people didn't want to approach? Where do you think that? So I guess in society and the media, and I guess back then growing up in the 90s, and I guess the stigma around mental health was always that kind of lock away, throw away the key kind of thing, you're crazy, you're crazy. Um, and it was never like spoken about in a calming way, I guess, kind of thing in the sense that it was okay to be different or it was okay to have these thoughts or these feelings. I, I don't know, just to be different from the world, I guess. And especially with my parents as well. And it wasn't something that was spoken about. Um, so yeah, it was quite daunting, I guess, to speak to people I love. And once I did, they were so like forthcoming and welcoming and arms open, like we love you no matter who you are, what you are. Um, and that was really rewarding, I think, for myself. And yeah, it was a way that I thought, okay, it's okay to speak on that. And then I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. So three years ago this December, um, it's, it's not cancerous, thank God. Um, but with that, it gives me an adrenal insufficiency. So my body don't create no adrenaline. So at the time I had swelling on my brain and there was so many things I was facing. And with that, it was challenging my mental health too. Um, because it was like a conflict of interest in that respect within my body. When my ADHD and all that kind of side of me wants to control a situation, be a hundred miles per hour and didn't like this change. And the doctors were trying to sedate me and relax me because of what was happening physically with my brain. And that was the, once again, the talk to Coco, come to be talk to Coco, um, going on Instagram again and speaking out on live. And I just broke down. I was in floods of tears and just like speaking to people. And I found speaking to so many strangers, which was really strange, like was so warming inside. Um, I just had a really comforting feeling from it. Um, and from that and the responses I was getting from people and people being able to relate saying, oh, my God, I'm so glad you said this because I've been dealing with this to see someone like yourself or the same age or just how I look. And yeah, it was really, really rewarding. It was. And it sort of flourished from there, I guess. It sounds like it was very cathartic as well. Um, and for you to say, just listening to us, your story about how you were worried about putting it out there, going out to Instagram and, and just being really, really raw and vulnerable um, and exposing yourself to that, to all of that, to the public. Definitely. Which is incredibly brave. But then everyone flooded in saying, I feel like that as well. Exactly. So it must have been so such a support to think, well, actually, I'm not strange and weird and alone because this is actually quite common, but we've suppressed it for so long um and you've given that platform you've kind of opened up pandora's box in a sense that oh gosh it's it's okay to be up you know to be open about this and, and i think especially i mean i have to say you've just given me goosebumps and made me quite emotional just listening to what you've had to say because it's 
it can't, you know, it's not easy. Life can throw things at us sometimes that that you don't see coming and let alone, you know, with COVID and, you know, that must have played, you know, you saying ADHD and, and controlling and how have you managed them through through lockdown and well, as I say, it's been a challenge. Um, being someone that's so transparent, I'm not going to sit here and talk with you and say that it's been daisies, etc. Um, like a lot of people will say. And I think that's another thing with mental health too, just breaking through the fact of being honest. And it is really, really, um, what's the word? I can't even think of a word to use, but it's so like good for yourself and it's such a positive thing. And that's what I find to be honest with how I'm feeling have got me through. So with the first lockdown, when that happened, it was instantly like, okay, so we're going to be stuck indoors. What's going to happen? I physically cannot be stuck indoors. I will be like a caged animal. Um, it just was something that I couldn't grasp. My mind couldn't get around how I was going to adapt to these kinds of changes. And they were changes that obviously wasn't something that I wanted to do or it wasn't in my control or it wasn't my own decision. It was somebody, our government telling us, this is what's happening. These are the rules. You can't go out, that kind of stuff. And thank God, like my missus who I live with, she's a diamond. And like, if I was in a different position or situation things could have been a lot lot worse I can't say and I'd say only one time via lockdown and I'm happy enough um, speaking about this I did get super suicidal and it was something so little from going to Morrison's having a shopping trip there that going wrong because my sensories and everything was just off that day and coming home and breaking down like I've never broke down within seconds and it's something that can go from being absolutely fine and then within 10 minutes it's like a flip and then from getting to that stage I think I needed to get that to that stage in my own personal journey I guess let's call that to realize okay you can't take it that to that level you need to gain some control over this disorder you have and find different ways of coping because we don't know how long we're going to be in lockdown I had no control and it was something I had to I had no choice it was either that or death and that wasn't ever an option for me like I've got to a stage in my life where I'm happy and I can feel content and I can control like my emotions and my ADHD and my mental disorder, et cetera, et cetera. So for that, it was just like, I guess, taking every day as it comes. So different ways, a bit more routine schedule. So scheduling things, I guess we could control. So whether that was the food shop or whether that was us doing exercise, going outdoors twice a week and just figuring out a new routine, I guess, day by day and being more available to my followers online and working and connecting with people I guess I didn't realize that we could have collaborations with whether that be magazines, clothing companies and portraying mental health and dealing with it, I guess, in the limelight of society in a positive way. And like, I'm so grateful now for lockdown. Now we're out of it. I say it was a blessing because it's given me growth. I would never have got as a human being before, before lockdown, because I'd never been in that kind of situation. And I guess work-wise too on a level of collaborating with such amazing people and getting to learn myself about different aspects of mental health and um, different challenges other people go through and educating myself on that kind of stuff like I've worked with some really good charities either in regards to the COVID-19 and we've done a webinar with a mental health charity and I got to speak to some of the scientists involved in the making the um, vaccine and speak to some of the professors in the University of Oxford in regards to their research so yeah it was really interesting to be able to hear 
a point of view of people that normally I would never have got that opportunity to and to educate myself on mental health and the long COVID and the impact it has on us and our mental health. And it's proven there's statistics out there. I think it's risen like 68% minimum. Everyone's mental health is worse off or someone have ended up with a diagnosis since COVID-19. So I think it's so important right now, if not to speak about mental health and be so open with it. And I guess a lot of people, if they don't understand mental health, it's harder for them to try and understand. But I'm hoping more people are because more than ever, people are suffering now and actually speaking out on it. Yeah, I don't think anyone doesn't know about it since COVID. That's just, I don't think, humanly possible, quite frankly. And we've never... We've never featured anyone in the issue before we've launched or anything like this, but you came on our radar when we started, we interviewed you for the magazine and I've been looking at everything you've been doing because it helps me. Um, And it's just, and I think it's listening to how you were dealing with COVID and lockdown. You had to shift your mindset. Like I need, okay, this is, this is happening. How do I address this and be calm in this situation? The day I flew back from New York, the next day I went down, to Sainsbury's um, because we had no food in the house. My father's 84 years old. There was nothing. He wasn't ready. Yeah, not prepared. And it was, it was awful. Mm-hmm. I To see so many people pushing and shoving and shopping carts full of toilet paper. I'm like, what the hell's that about? What's going on? And I was in the line queuing up. I broke down crying because it was, it was scary. It was so scary. And, and I, I, I say this to people and like whoever hasn't got empathy, now coming out of this it's I, I'm shocked at but did you see a change in how people were reaching out to you on on your talk to Coco on your platform was there a shift in it was it was a shift that 100% it was a shift and it was it was scary for me the amount of people I think I'd done a survey and I put a post out I think it was the first month of lockdown and I had over 250 people that had reached out to me the first week feeling really suicidal like and for me as much as I have a lot of people reach out I've never had a maximum of 250 in one week and these are people from all around the world whether that be fathers of like 40 plus whether that's people like ourselves whether that's older people younger people like uh, such a range of people people that I didn't even expect to like follow my journey so I was like wow like we all really need to come together now and I guess like I hope as well that it has helped people in the respect to make people warmer to each other and strangers because it was true like you said how people were acting in the supermarkets people were so selfish to like how people were acting no one was thinking about no one else and that impacts so many things whether that's someone like yourself having a breakdown in the supermarket myself too i couldn't cope with it it was just too much for me and it's like people not being mindful of people that can't cope in these situations so but now we're at the end of it like you said i think people can cannot ignore that because it's so out there so many people are suffering even people that maybe didn't before covid are probably now well i think we've all been stripped bare that because it's been such an unknown and and a global catastrophe and uh the pandemic that um it's almost like we publicly have come out together you know oh i'm not doing well oh yeah. i can't manage this and um, you know they were going through a tough time and i was just super busy and i wasn't in the right frame of mind to speak to them and i didn't want to speak to them when i'm not feeling great because i couldn't support them but um i imagine as well because your platform i find really inspiring that I know that you're an advocate for LGBT matters, but I, 
I would imagine you others come to you as well as everyone um, coming to finding your platform and, and your because what you have to offer to kind of advice and guidance on mental health affects every human. Definitely. And that's what I always want to make clear to everybody. As much as I obviously represent that part of my community to be in it, within that like everybody whether you're straight like whether you're like a nun like literally whoever you are yeah literally like my arms are open and I think that's what's been important and it's really nice to see and a lot of um people that come to me too I find is for religious reasons um so like conflict because they're in like a, a religion so whether that's being Muslim or Jewish or and they have reasons with under that sort of um topic let's say of why they can't speak openly or why mental health isn't accepted within their community so i find like a lot of people from that too that you find okay that opened my eyes too because obviously i'm not um religious or nothing so i never really i guess i was ignorant to the fact that people can suffer in that way i didn't realize i guess because i like don't know enough about it so they would come to me and say like obviously i can't speak because this is like against my religion but this is how I, and you find a lot of self-harm uh, with in those communities because they don't have no one to speak to because everyone sort of thinks that way and there's only the small percentage willing to speak out and say actually I am suffering and I know it goes against me but I need help you know kind of thing and it's sad and and to be able to talk to people I, I always say that's my therapy like that's what I need that's good enough to, for me that makes me feel better to know that I've changed someone's viewpoint or mindset or just how they're feeling or they're going to wake up tomorrow with a smile on their face feeling way better than they did today you know that's what I was just thinking listening to you thinking how do you cope if you're getting this influx of people's you know they're giving they're telling their worries to you that's that's quite heavy for you to take that on and, and you sound um I'm sure you are you sound like you really care and yeah to have, you know so when someone reaches out I imagine there's a connection there but how do you kind of manage that um I can't lie there are times and I say to my missus like oh I need to turn my phone off today like I don't think I can do it um and that whether that just be for us to have some time together like we live together and stuff but like say for instance if we've both been busy work-wise and that kind of thing or if I just physically can't cope because of my own mental health. So with having ADHD, I'm 100 miles per hour. I need a lot of things to do. I'm an expert in multitasking. Um, my IQ is super high in that kind of respect. So when I have a lot of messages and I have a lot of things to tend to, it keeps me going in that respect. However, when I have like burnout days or I have days where my sensory is a bit on an overload and I can't, I need to just do me and I need to put some movies on and just chill in front of the TV. And I will, I will just turn my phone off because it gets super overwhelming. And I've always been that person too within my family and my friends. So I'm always the friend that everyone will come and tell their problems to. And Sherelle's always, that's my real name. So Coco's always okay. So no one's really like, oh, how's things with you? Cause they assume I'm okay. Cause I'm strong and I'm able to take on all this. And I guess, for my partner, Lara, like she's a diamond. So she sees behind the scenes. So sometimes she'll say to me too, babe, I think like it's time, like have this weekend for yourself or da, 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 da. So that's really super important. I find to have the right support around me as well. So I've got the right people keeping me going because in my past time, when I haven't had that, I find then that because I am so emotional and so caring that I get really upset over things and then it's too much and then I'm not able to give myself to anybody I can't give myself to myself kind of thing so yeah I find that that's really important I think as you get older as well you learn how to deal with 
things in a different way um, and to switch off and walk away, like putting your phone away and, and doing that. I think it's really important. Um, I have to say, I found um, we we were looking at, I was looking at the other day, your um, a safe space that you did with UN Women. Oh my God, that is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. It's incredible. It's such, and any of our listeners, you've got to go and look at this, a safe space UN Women did. It's a virtual gallery. Um, how did you get involved with that? How did that project come about? So that was really cool. Um, so I've always followed them on Instagram. I think what they do is amazing. And they were looking, um, we were speaking before this project um, had come about, this their campaign for this, and we were just speaking back and forth and trying to figure out basically how we could sort of coincide. So I always wanted to be a part of something they were doing, but obviously with how I work and what I sort of do, I've got my creative writing side slash like poetry. Um, so we were trying to figure out a way. And then when this opportunity come about and they were like, if you're willing to be involved and you have anything that obviously we can offer for this, I was like, amazing. I would love to write something for you guys. And I wrote um, the creative writing slash poetry piece for that. And then it's really cool because when you go on the gallery, if you like put your hand over it as if you were in the gallery, you can hear my voice. I read out the poems. I, yeah. I did. I did it. It's brilliant. <laughs> really cool. your, poem, your poems on the whole, and, and guys, listeners, you've got to look at this because it's it, you. It's like Google Maps. You can walk around the gallery and then your poems on the whole wall. Yeah, I know. I thought it was amazing. So exciting. It's really, really cleverly done. I think that's such the way forward with galleries and exhibitions. And it's great that you can just click and hear your voice and the, and the poem being read to the listener, because I think it's more personal then when you hear that. Um, Definitely. Yeah, it was that was really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I listened to it about four or five times um, the other day. And it's I mean, your opening sentence to be alive today is a blessing. It's very, you, you, I, well, knowing who you are and what you've gone through, it's, it's, um, it's a very powerful opening to a poem. Yeah, definitely. And I think with, with the campaign that they were doing for that, I thought that poem spoke, like you said, so powerfully. And it's like, like a punch to the chest kind of thing, like whew, the impact, I think, with all the women that are going missing these days and it's so open, like, out there and like for for a lady these days to walk down the street is near enough impossible at dark like it's probably like two percent of women which will actually still do that which is so sad so yeah definitely I think that was so relevant do you think that that they'll travel with that um I mean will that open up in different countries it'd be great to just to have it um it would be amazing it's it was so powerful it's um it really was immersive, um, I felt, that you really felt that you were part of that as well. I mean, I think it's so important to have a collection of stories and voices to inspire change from women. Definitely. And that's what I love about that gallery. There's so many different people on there. And even through myself, from just being on there and seeing other people that's, that's been involved and connecting with them and like seeing their work and what they do. And yeah, I think, and there's so many people around the world, especially like you said, being women and talking on that kind of subject and having so many voices around the world to be like, hello, this is what's happening right now in the world. Yeah, what's what to use a safe space? What do you think characteristics are that make a safe space for someone? Because I think one of your lines in the poem was that um, to be alone, to be safe. I guess for myself, it'd be 
like I there's a part in the poem I say to be naked to be free like to be able to walk around naked is like is basically the impossible if what I'm saying but if ever one day that would be possible for women to be able to do that would be the next thing like the world's best thing like but obviously women are always sexualized in the world or and objectified and that would never be thing and I think that's why I say it because we all know it's really always going to be a metaphor it'll never be reality for something because when will that ever be whereas if a guy was to do it we're not gonna have loads of women running around grabbing on him and being all crazy whereas if that was a woman (laughs) as sad as it is yeah (laughs) it just wouldn't happen if it was i've got such a visual in my head (laughs) (laughs) a boy running down the street (laughs) but like when you see stuff like that or even like when you see nudists like and they're just doing their thing on their bikes, like, and it's always like the men got to whistle at the women going past, like, but if it was the other way around, maybe we would have a little, like, maybe a little peek and that'd be it. It's just like, yeah, it's just, I don't, guess it's the way of the world, unfortunately. That's so interesting. It's almost like women don't care. It's the complete opposite reaction. That, uh, you just had me this visual of on the high street, a topless woman and a, and a, and a completely naked man. It'd have such a different reaction. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? What do you think then, like, moving forward, coming through COVID, how I think mental health has become such an important topic now and it's it's so brilliant to see it not so taboo anymore. Um, do you see, you say you get messages from around the world. Do you think England, the UK rather, is quite advanced in addressing mental health problems now? Yeah, so in comparison... I would say advanced in the sense of how much we talk about it. I wouldn't say in how much we do, because I still think they could do so much more. Um, And what we do have is so little and in comparison to what we need, basically. Um, So, yeah, but I think and I'm hoping moving forward, coming out of COVID-19 and all of these all the money they're promising us that's going into the mental health service. I hope that is the case and that things can progress and things can move forward in that respect. And people have, I guess, the support available. Like I've been working on um, something with me and a football player. He's retired now, David Cottrell, and he's from Wales too. And we were talking about doing an event at the end of the year for people, for like a mental health event for people that have come out of COVID. And by then people are sort of getting back to normal. A completely free event. We haven't really spoken to depths, but just something to get people connected on that level. Because I think there's festivals around the world there's so much around, but there's nothing like mental health wise that brings people together in that respect. So something basically to come and celebrate mental health in that respect. So you can come as crazy as you are, as normal as you are, whatever you want to call it and see yourself. And I guess be somewhere open so that I'm in in my eyes how this event will be. There will be guest speakers speaking. So like on different completely topics, whether that's coping, whether that's just open speaking, whether that's experience, there'll be different kinds of therapy. There'll be so many different things to show people, not just like the basic bog standard, what you see out there. Um, so that is why I would like to hope for the U. UK and I hope to be a part of something like that for the end of the year to just I don't know just yeah normalize it way more again so little people in schools are not having to question if they feel a way because there's maybe a lesson on it in class or their teachers have spoken to them about it and their families etc but I guess it's a long way to come but I'm just hoping for that because if 
I guess I had that as a child. I wouldn't have had to experience half of what I have. Yeah, but I guess having gone through that, you wouldn't have been able to give back now and one have million percent. what you what you do now. One um, million percent. And I think an event would be a great thing to do because you're talking about you you kind of came out with your emotions on social media because that was a safe space to kind of hide behind, you know, to do that. But to do it to be actually vocal at an event face to face with people, I think is really powerful to hear that and to have people to connect. In that way, I think it's, it would be very brave, for, you know, the public to come and attend or others to come and attend to actually be there in person. Because it's it's easy to hide behind social media, uh, and 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 it's I think that's half the journey, isn't it? When you kind of just saying whatever it is on social media, putting things out there like that, it's because there's that worry that how is that going to be perceived? Yeah, definitely. That would be I think going into schools as well because I think it would be great to have your talking event to take to different schools we had um when we started mission um when was it in 2017 putting the first issue together we have a lot of interns work with us we're we're insanely small um grassroots charity and um we had a lot of you actually it was all it generally is all young girls that come and work with us um when we had our office in the east village in new york and there was one girl who she had this this wheel thing that she was spinning and, and she was our design person and i and i sarcastically said what are you doing your hand should be on your keyboard what do you what well, I thought it was a toy and she said it's a fidget spinner and I said what's that I've never heard of it and she said oh I suffer from anxiety um and I'm on antidepressants and and I just said oh, okay come in the kitchen now and we sat and we had a, um, a, a cup of tea because I wanted to understand what was what was you know what was going on and I'm older I'm going to say it out loud I just my birthday and I just, yeah. I just I'm going to say this on public rate public for the first time I just hear me do you hear me store cocoa on this <laughs> I turned 50 um very recently like this week I love that well happy birthday that's a big birthday thank you love yeah, you know what? I'm as I'm as young as I feel. I'm still a kid, kid at heart. One million percent, I'm telling you. And I, I don't really care. But um, all these youngsters that work with us, they're so inspiring. But I, I said to this one girl in particular, "You're 19 years old. What on earth are you worried about? What on earth have you on antidepressants for?" And this is in America, because that's I think how it's dealt with. Have a tablet. We won't talk about it. Have a tablet. Um, is there a demographic and an age range that you feel that's common that's denominated to the people that come to you? Do you know what? I would say, surprisingly, I'd say people range, I'd say at least 35 up, on average more so. And then I have a selection, I'd say a few hundred, which are between 14 to 25. But I'd say between the 25 to 30 range there's not many so I don't know if that's because I don't know people are sort of get into grips with where they are at life at that stage or if people are not quite there I'm not really sure in how or why that is that's really interesting that you just asked me that I've never really thought of it like that um yeah our experience of having people um we generally have um and I I I kind of joke about this when we have the people that come along with us that we always have um, people that have challenges a lot of the times that come and work with us. And I think because we're so open um, and caring when, when we have people in turns come with us, um, there's that open dialogue. But it's generally, but they're so young. 
um, I find that they they have these problems and these these worries, this anxiety. And I think I read something recently that because of COVID, that um, there's a lot of concern with the young kids. You know, their schooling hasn't happened. They've had to do homeschooling. They can't go to university. Um, and I think that's something like Talk to Coco is such a great platform to get out to to the younger generation to educational institutes. That would be amazing. What what projects are you on then? Apart from the thing, um, the event you're talking about at the end of the year, what's what do you think is next for Talk to Coco? Where would you like to see this go? Like to really grow it. So where I would like to see this go, I guess, to just grow in a sense where people can grow with me. Um, so at the moment I'm working, I'm on community engagement team for UK Black Pride. So that's really exciting in regards to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and that regard, so we've got a few things coming up with it, but in regards to Talk to Coco herself, I guess, um, I don't know. I guess I just take it as it comes. So... Obviously, I'm getting on now. I'm going to be 30 in a bit. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so trying to plan that, trying to sort myself out, I guess, before I got, got a few months and stuff. Um, but yeah, but I guess I guess there's a few magazines that have been interested. There's a few collaborations which I'm hoping will come. Me and my partner has been doing a lot of campaigns, which have been really excited as a couple. Um for adverts and stuff so they'll all be on the tv in certain countries so that's been cool. i guess it's wow. just a, it's, it's like a bit of a whirlwind to be honest um i sort of see what comes my way and if it's worth it i fancy i go for it if i don't i don't um it's it's fun like being and you've got obviously people that represent you and they come with, to me with some work etc but yeah i think i'm just just going for it and we just recently done um a campaign for the government, a hate crime campaign. Um, so that was really interesting. So that's on TV at the moment for a year. Um, wow, that's incredible. Well done. Yeah, so yeah, it's all it's all fun. But I guess to, to Coco on, on a bigger scale, I would like to get a book published is my thing. And I'm speaking with a few um, publishers at the moment. Um, so that is something that I want to put in there, a creative book, um, let's call it not like, not like a coffee style, but nothing like that. Something people can really get stuck into. So if you're having a bad day, there'll be a section for you. If you're having a good day, there'll be a section for you for people like, and just some something creative, I guess. If there's anything creative, I'm willing to get stuck in. I think that'd be brilliant to have. It's like your, um, oh, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, so I've, I've seen that. My friend has sent me a photo to get that. It's fantastic, Coco. Um, one of, there's a woman in... Um, I met ages ago when I was a fashion editor in Italy. I call her my fairy godmother now, FG. She sent me that um, years ago. I was on a tube going to work and I had the book with me. I carry it everywhere. And it said, just think in a hundred years time, all new people. Literally. And you just think, Jesus Christ, that's really weird. And yeah. you just think, well, what's the point? And yeah, it just, sometimes I do look at that because it makes me think, okay, what's, if someone's annoying me or something hasn't gone my way, like, yeah. let it go. Just let it go. It's and so not worth it. It's so not worth it. Um, but I'm, I mean, I used to, when I started Mission, I used to be very controlling with it because I had, I thought I'd get it up and running Ooh. in six months. No, not six months, God. <laughs> Seven years later. I'm telling you, and that's that's the way, that's the way I'm telling you. But I love, that, I love that you're collaborating, you're thinking outside, like working with all these campaigns and TV campaigns and, and that, people are coming to you like the government are coming to you um UN women coming to you that we we all need 
talk to Coco in our lives to have that just to help us with our day-to-day journeys and I think you're amazing I think you're absolutely amazing well we're gonna say goodbye with this yes I think that's been such a fantastic well it's been a pleasure speaking to you yes and Coco we're going to keep an eye on everything you're doing this year and please do let us know if we can support like later on and yeah definitely and there's some t-shirts coming out at the moment so i've just done a design for a mental health charity um so they're bringing out t-shirts yeah for mental health awareness month and stuff like that so we'll see if we can get a few across to you guys or something like that that'd be cool that would be great that'd be great yeah so that's been cool just to support the mental health week and stuff yeah well keep doing what you're doing it's it's you're needed we need you Thank you so much, and you guys, though, and you guys. Coco, take care and have a lovely day. And yourself. Best of luck. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in and listening to me speak to Coco. Our next guest is someone who studied at Harvard, then went on to study fashion at FIT, The Wall Street Journal once called him the fashion bad boy. Somehow that didn't stop him earning two CFDA awards. And for anyone that doesn't know, that stands for Council of Fashion Designers of America. I had the privilege of going to some of his shows when I was a stylist, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Please tune into our next podcast with John Bartlett, fashion designer, animal activist, and currently the director of the fashion department at Marist College, Poughkeepsie, New York. Thank you for always listening and tuning in, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.